Stubby Pen and a Napkin Podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to the return of the podcast, the, the official interview podcast, and we're going to do another quick hitter. Obviously, if you read the title of the, of the pod, you know it's a quick hitter, Volume 2, and I am truly, truly excited to lead off this volume of quick hitters with my longtime friend, my confidant, my... Uh, uh, my dinner buddy when I'm in the middle of central Iowa and occasionally recruiting guru, Jody Steyer, the women's basketball coach at Iowa State University. Coach Steyer, you have to be excited for two reasons. Number one, you got a big road win last night. And number two, you know that when you get home tonight, you're going to have a delicious meal on the table waiting for you because of that road win. Well, yeah, Mark, number one, thank you for the intro. Uh, very, very nice of you. I appreciate being on your podcast. Uh, it's an honor. And yeah, I, my husband is, is hard at work in the kitchen right now. So this is this is the good life right now, talking hoops and not having to worry about cooking right now. See, it's, it's, the pleasure just, just keeps on building here. It's, it's just <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, and, and you can tell Ed that I said that you deserve a really nice meal tonight. I definitely will. I'll let him know that. Yeah. I have the door shut right now. Um, and actually, he's sitting watching the news or something. So it must already be ready to go. So oh, oh, we're good to go. Look at that. So that here. is a reward for a win last night. So that's good. That's yes. Good. He, he, the, the next Emerald Legacy right there. <laughs> exactly. Just boom, boom, boom. It's waiting for you there. So. All right. Well, hey, Jody. Uh, again, thanks so much for coming on. Um, we're going to talk a little player development. Uh, and, and we're going to kind of focus on offseason and how that carries into the season uh you've done a terrific job of develop you know one of the things that you guys have done and and way back a long time ago when when coach finley came on you know one of the things that he talked about is is there's there's certain kids that that we recruit here at iowa state and we're proud of that uh you are usually not going to be uh the five-star hub uh so to speak when it comes to the recruiting crap that's out there uh you're, you're gonna find kids that are gonna fit not only your system when it comes to the X's and O's, but to the character and the expectation and the standards that you set both on and off the floor. And a lot of that has to deal with uh, kids that are willing to come in and bust their butt and work hard and get better. And I know that you're a big part of that along with with LaToya and Billy and and everybody involved. Um, But, you know, what, what do you guys... Uh, do what are what are kind of some of the expectations that you set for your players uh, to get them to buy in to work as hard as they they do in the off season to make themselves better players year in and year out. Well, I think what you led with is is huge. Coach Fenley is a believer in the in the right type of person, and it's somebody that takes pride in in um, in doing what they're supposed to do, um, knowing what they're supposed to do to, to kind of bring the best version of their self into our program. And so he's really big. We are big into the individual work ethic and, and he's not big into um, sending workouts home all summer and having them. He, he doesn't believe that if you're asking somebody um, and telling them what to do all the time, that that's going to be a genuine thing. He wants the kids that want to come in, want to be a part of something bigger than themselves want to uh make improvements and so our big thing is you know he meets with them whether it's 
them coming in as new freshmen or, you know, after the recruiting process, after their commitment, usually there's a big conversation of, you know, they usually our kids will ask, right, what, what do I, what do you need from me? What do you need from my high school coach right now? What do you need from if they have trainers over the summer before they get to us? What is your emphasis? And, and he shares some of the things that, uh, that we feel like our guards need, that we feel like our post players need. And then when they come in, we kind of foster that we'll try and uh, do workouts and things that do that. But we, we don't we don't inundate them with written forms and, hey, you have to do letter of the law, what we tell you. We don't believe that translates. So a lot of it is kind of um, reaching out to them and saying, all right, if you want to do this, we're going to do things together. But there's going to be time where you're going to have to be in the gym doing it on your own and he's done a great i think we're lucky to have kids that want to get better uh that do reach out to us for some special work but also um are not afraid to get in there and put the work in on their own because if 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 they don't want to do it it's you know you know as a coach it's hard to to force it upon them so it's a little bit of both it's a little bit of what his expectations are Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of what they're bringing to the table as far as work ethic and what the want to of wanting to get better and, and contribute to this program so you, you touched on some of the things that you want your, your guards to work on and you want your post players to work on. Uh, what are, let's start with the perimeter kids. You know, I've always thought you got to have perimeters before you have posts because the, the, the post can't get it without the perimeters. Um, so what are the things that you guys are telling your perimeters on a, on a pretty consistent basis, year in, year out? Uh, these are the things that we need you to develop. And, and what are some things that you guys do within your offseason and workouts to to help develop that that skill set well it's interesting because as you say that this was a year with covid that we really feel like we lacked you know we weren't able to come in when we normally do so we didn't get together till the middle of july and you're but, talking but everybody about was we have a too, you know right too. right yeah. right but uh as we came in in the middle of july then you have freshmen that we were going to rely on a lot this year. So we're still talking about, you know, what we can do right now during the season and what we can do after the season. But a big thing we always say in high school, no matter what high school and AAU program you play for, you are never going to simulate the strength and the speed of the college game. Mm-hmm. And so if that means the ball handling, you have somebody tightly guarding you, which in, in the high school game, if you're a good player, you know, a lot of times you're beating people up the floor and you're not having somebody that's able to constantly stick with with you uh like you do you know when you're playing a baylor when you're playing in oklahoma you know the the schedule that we play so a lot of what we tell them is is as far as working on their ball handling um which you kind of go a progression of individual stuff where you're doing stationary drills just to get that feel for your handle then you you take that another step and, and we do some we call it chicken where somebody will be guard you know will be constantly reaching so your eyes are up and you're having to handle the ball while somebody's reaching at you still stationary uh then we may do a progression where we're going to the free throw line and back with somebody uh, reaching in. And again, those are things that it's hard to, you want to simulate what they're going to face in a game like situation. And mm-hmm. that's not easy. You know, a lot of people can do all the stationary ball handling drills and look like a million bucks. Yeah. 
but for us, it's we do a lot of ball screen um, action in our in our plays and everything. So guards were really were really you know getting on them about their ball handling and, and with pressure on holding somebody off, being able to have your eyes up so you can read you know what the defense is doing, and then uh, entering into the post, which we're having conversations about uh, the last couple weeks, big time um, right now, is just being able to recognize when you're driving somewhere and, and then getting that entry into the post. And, you know, where the defender on the, where is your defender? Where is the defender on the post? So those are reads um, that we're trying to even in practice now simulate maybe for a 10 minute segment before we start into our, our offense and defense, just some, some of that where we're able to work on that and kind of get a, a feel where we can get the post players a ball that they can handle. Um, and then obviously Bill is huge. You know, we have the three point shooting streak. So mm-hmm. number one out of everything is probably getting in and, and getting shots up and, and game like shots, you know, not, not just randomly coming in and tossing yourself a ball, but really in the offense, what kind of shots you're going to get. And so that's, you know, we'll talk about uh, whether we dive and fill just so they can simulate some of the shots that they're going to get um, in a game and just get so much repetition in that as well. Two um, and then, oh, you know, go ahead. no, no, let it rip. No, you had talked about also in a post and I guess uh, post, obviously I think every, every team in the country has their post players. If you say ball handling stationary for the guards, you have your mic and drill for the post players, just getting them a little more comfortable around the basket with different finishing touches around there. Um, but then as we're seeing again, everybody can be a one-on-none all American when you're, when you're getting passes against nobody with no defense. So then it's a progression of getting those pads in there and working on your drop step, you know, making them go through repetitions of, of the same drills. And then again, it's going in and getting actual reads of live play. And that's a lot of the talk we're talking about right now for the postseason stuff is how do we uh, incorporate what we need to work on in small groups, but really with live play where you're getting repetition, but you're also having to read the defense. So uh, just some of the things with guards and posts that we're talking about right now. Two questions on the perimeter stuff. Yeah. Uh, you guys do a lot of two ball stuff. We do, and that's that's especially early in the preseason and the summer stuff. Um, we do. I feel like it's it's the way to make them use their left hand, and it's it makes it real obvious when you're doing two ball stuff. If one ball um, isn't pounding as hard as the other, it emphasizes how much they have to work on that weak hand. So we do do a lot of two ball stuff. Um, once we get towards the season, uh, that goes a little bit more to the way to the wayside, and and we do a little bit more with one person, and hopefully, you know, maybe somebody guarding on the outside or drives to the basket, but two ball in the in the off pre and post season, and then the summer stuff is big. Mm-hmm. How much of the mid range are you guys still teaching? You know, we haven't um, always been huge on mid range. Uh, just because yeah. you know you have your inside play. We're big in the three point shooting, and you see that in the NBA, the WNBA. Um, what I will tell you is, there's still you have to have the mid game, and a lot of what we do will be based on the kids that we're bringing in, mm-hmm. um, because we really like to keep that spacing. We don't like a lot, you know, if you're at the three point line, you're giving space for the passes into the post. Um, the mid range is going to come off that ball screen action, and so we do work on that. There's certain kids that their strength is mid range, and we had some really good freshmen come in this year that really can handle all three levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I should say four, you know, the drive, the mid range, the three, and then you got to be able to make free throws. But, mm-hmm. uh, 
but that mid-range is something that they've brought. So we've probably thought uh, worked on the mid-range a little bit more this year. And all that is is the progression of if we're doing it, if somebody comes up and says, hey, will you, can we, I have 20 minutes before practice, can we do a workout? We'll always, our progression is always layups first. Then we will do some mid-range because we do so much ball screen action or curling cuts. And then we'll go to that three. But honestly, if I'd say if Bill's priority would be you got to make layups and you're going to work on that three-point shot because the mid-range game, it's just, you know, it hasn't been. If you go to the analytics people, um, you're talking more about spacing of the floor and that three-point shot has been so important to us. Yeah. Um, so how do you keep that that balance between you're getting uh, – into the season and maybe the, the teeth of the season that you're at right now. And for high school coaches, we're into the postseason and, and you guys are inching closer to the postseason. Right. But, you know, you're in January and, and, and you got Baylor on Wednesday and, and, and Oklahoma State on Saturday or whatever the scenario is. Uh, you still need that fundamental work, but you still need to get your scout work in and, and your, your five on five stuff. You know, how, how do you guys handle uh, making sure? Um, where you, you know, getting that skill work in. And then also, uh, I've, I've always been curious, where do you put that at in practice so that you feel like it's maximizing your, your skill work? Right. Well, a lot of that. So we don't use our full 20 hours uh, in the week as team stuff. I mean, we do a lot of team stuff, but we, especially because we're into the season and they need to rest. So we are lucky to have some of those extra time that, if they individual kids can come in and a lot, a lot of times it's, it's requested by them. Many other times we'll, we'll say, Hey, let's come in, let's work on 20 minutes. We'll work on your handles or we'll work on, Mm -hmm. um, this flare screenshot or whatever. So we will do that usually before that's on their free time. And usually it's anytime they're coming in, if they have weights in the morning or they're coming in for practice, we don't want to make it a special trip in. Mm -hmm. Um, so we will utilize, individual time and and we're free to do that uh, because we have the hours the other thing is just uh we call it position work and it's always i think you've been to our practices usually we'll do our film work or scouts um early we do free throw shooting early and then usually the beginning of our practices are breaking it down by posts and guards and that may be one day it might just be shooting it Mm -hmm. might be you know another day it's we know against this team this is what we're going to be looking for um, as far as the ball screen action. So we may, and they're going to guard us. They're going to ice our ball screens or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it may be um, getting together for 10 minutes with our scout team and, and having our guards go over and face that. Um, it may be we, we were getting double teamed and weren't ready for it. So it may be going off a ball screen and randomly having our scout team uh, jump up and just working on a simple retreat dribble because Mm -hmm. we were picking up our dribbles or we were losing we had our head down so that is always we put it in the beginning of practice just because we had just after stretching um normally because we're we want to if we the the harder we're going to go in that work the more we'll see if it's just shooting we can do it before stretching Mm -hmm. um that's fine but with our training staff if we're going to do something hard with our scout team right after stretching that's usually the first thing we'll do is do position work breakdowns 
and then right from that we'll go into our five um, five on five which bill is really big in especially at this time of year mostly everything is five on five but there's always something special as far as working that stuff in and i can't tell you marie sometimes sometimes we're all game prep in other times we will hey we're 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 turning the ball over too much on those ball screens or whatever we will uh have some special time in there just to work on on that and i will tell you right before christmas uh we were having a hard time we just didn't feel like we were handling the ball real well we put a little workout together and posted it on the wall and demonstrated it and said all right you guys are in charge of coming in with each other with a with a scout team guy and this is a little 10 minute ball handling workout and normally we're not big into that but we just felt like hey it needed to be emphasized Uh um and that was before christmas time so a month where again they had so many classes online and then we had break you know christmas break started so early Mm -hmm. so they were able to do and that was something that we did that they did on their own if we were in there we could oversee it but uh they kind of followed along and and i felt that was pretty helpful that way too so um it kind of depends on that and then pre and post season Obviously, we're big. I watched a lot during COVID as far as NBA teams, how they did their workouts, and so much of it is competitive shooting. Mm -hmm. So we also did in the preseason, did some uh, shooting games where we posted how to do it or demonstrated how to do it, and then they would record uh, what their point totals were just so they could be competitive with each other. So that was another thing. I know you asked for what, but that was a big thing that I wanted to throw in, that we're trying to get things more competitive because the more we go on, uh, that's where they, they enjoy doing it, where there's a number to beat or mm-hmm. a teammate to beat or something like that. But the, during the season, it's hard. It's hard just because you, even if we don't go our 20, they still need rest. They need their body rest. Yep. And so you can't really make them do, you know, 20 minutes of an individual workout or whatever without really putting thought into it. Last question. Yep. What did Ed get, get you ready for supper? Uh, you know what? I think it's spaghetti, but let me let me call out. That's a really important question. I, well, and so, I think our listeners should know what's the going listeners on. Know. Hey, the, the, the listeners want to know. Oh, what a guy! Spaghetti and sausage. Um, oh. So that's what I have to look forward to after after this hoops talk. So I have a wonderful husband. I'll throw that in. So that, well, that's a that's a big plus. And and, <laughs> and and now it all comes full circle. And and now our listeners know. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. When everybody listens to it on Monday morning, they'll know that that the Styers had spaghetti and sausage for supper on Thursday night. So. We, we had to have sausage because you know, as a Catholic, and I and I am, uh, we had uh, Ash Wednesday yesterday, and we have Friday tomorrow, so we had to get some meat in there today. You, you, you got to do your protein <laughs> loading right now. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. Awesome. Jody, thanks so much for coming on. I know uh, there's a lot of good stuff that just came out of this short little conversation. Uh, thanks so much for your friendship over the years. Appreciate it. And you guys just keep that ball rolling. Uh, you, you know, youngest team in America, starting three freshmen almost every game. And uh, you guys are doing a heck of a job, and, and, and the best is yet to come with this group. Well, hey, thanks, Marty. And that's why when you talk about player development, that this is a group that's really embraced it. And we're looking forward to a lot more uh, more time with them. But thank you for all you do, all the information from your podcast. Really helpful for all coaches out there. So I'll, I'll give you a big thank you. Uh, uh, it's it's a, a labor of love. And uh, <laughs> I, I was hoping to put it off uh, getting back into it for another week or so. But uh, the basketball gods 
didn't help us out as much as we needed it to. So, uh, but well, uh, you know, well, I'm sorry for you and your team, but we're, we're the rest of the basketball community will will benefit. So, thank you so much, and congrats to you on on your first year at your new school. Great job by you. Well, thanks. Uh, it was a great group of kids to coach, and and uh, you know the the hard work is just beginning at this point. Now, now we now we really dive in. So, Jody, thanks so much. We appreciate it, Jody Steyer. Uh, Assistant women's basketball coach at Iowa State University. Any social media you want to plug real quick, Jody? Well, always follow Cyclones WBB on, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and I, I'm ISU, what am I? ISU Cyclone, I think. Uh, Something like that. So I welcome that. Uh, but uh, just our, our women's basketball, to follow our uh, our site is pretty good. We're pretty proud of our team. The And, you know, Coach Fenley's done a great job here. Long tradition. The fan base is incredible. So you always get some good basketball stuff off of that website. You bet. You bet. Jody, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon, all right? Uh, hey, thanks, Marty. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Next up on our Quick Hitters pod, Volume 2, is Josh Ludke, uh, the head, well, he's the only boys basketball coach because they don't have girls basketball at Creighton Prep, so it's, it's, it's redundant to say head boys basketball coach because all they have is young men there at Creighton Prep here in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, coach Ludke coming on the podcast here this morning to discuss his program's defensive philosophy and all the things that they do here. Uh, coach, how are you doing this fine Sunday morning? You know, I'm doing pretty good. I, I might be a little sick of the snow, you know, waking up and seeing that snow coming down again with all the snow on the ground. is It's kind of getting old, but I guess it could be worse. And uh, um, But we're doing good. You know, we've had a good week this week with our two big wins over Miller North and Central. And um, so we, we're, we're happy and we're excited for our guys. And now it's, you know, turn the page to the postseason and see if we can't continue uh, making strides. Absolutely. Well, you've done that in large part because of your your team defense, and uh, you're holding teams on a regular basis underneath 40 points. Uh, you did that again last night to Omaha Central, who I think you held them to it was 39 last night, wasn't it, Coach? Yeah, it was 39, and I think they're averaging about 69 a game, and um, they had just come off uh, Friday night playing Bell West, uh, where I think both teams were in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and they went OT, but still, I mean, you know, you, you take a team like Omaha Central and you hold them under 40 points, uh, that's a pretty good defensive effort by our guys. So, um, we've been pretty proud of our defense and, you know, we, we, we made a commitment 19 years ago, um, that we were going to be a, a man to man team. And, you know, um, we've had various, um, forms of our man to man where, you know, sometimes it's, uh, tough ball ball pressure and uh, up the line on the line and sometimes it's you know contain the ball and be in the gaps with a lot of help um and sometimes we've we've kind of i don't want to say junked it up but we play a you know an overly i would say an overly really cautious gap where Mm -hmm. we're still man to man but we really have you know all four other players really with one foot in the paint um and just really trying to take away the drive um, and make teams become perimeter shooting teams uh, with contested jump shots. So, um, but our commitment has been been demand to man. And what we've always done is we've always tried to take a look at our, our personnel and and the guys that we have in our program, um, freshman level all the way up to varsity. And you know, about four or five years ago, um, might be six years ago, we really changed from probably. Um, you know, a, a hard on the ball, 
up the line, on the line, um, man-to-man defense to more of a uh, in-the-gap help defense and probably some somewhere along the lines of the pack line mm-hmm. um, because we've had we've had some fairly athletic teams the last you know six seven years with some long wingspans and um, we really felt like if we could contain the ball and really get in the gaps and try to get some deflections uh, um, that would be best for us and best for our teams and um, you know really try to I would say build that perimeter wall where we didn't allow people inside the paint and kept them on the perimeter. So, you know, we do a various, and and how we do it is we really implement it from our freshman team up, and and we start with the basics. I mean, the core basics of one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three, four-on-four, all the way to five-on-five, and we break it down, and we go through different categories of the one-on-one or the two-on-two with the help and, and help help defense and then the three-on-three of getting to help and how do we play down screens or back screens or flare screens um, but still keep our proper spacing with our defense so we've done a really good job of just really breaking it breaking it down and then putting it together and then once we we get the basics in then we really um, have done a great job of putting uh, our scramble stuff in where you know we we work on transition defense because one thing we don't want to do is get beat by transition points so mm-hmm. we start with the transition defense to pick up to man to man and then uh, we do a scramble a series of scramble drills that will allow us you know to play four on three <clears throat> four on three five on four three on two that really puts our guys in a a communication uh, situation and then also scramble mode to where they have to really fly around and match up and talk. So a lot of those things we start with at the freshman level and then we kind of build them until we get to the varsity level. And, you know, what I did in my coaching um, time is I really kind of, uh, in, in my 19 years, we've had, you know, my assistant coach is really what I call the defense coordinator. So, you know, Eric Thompson was our defensive coordinator my first nine years and did a tremendous job with the defense. And then um, Andy King um, was our defense coordinator until recently, until he took the Elkhorn North job. Eric is coaching at Marion right now, and Andy's head coach at Elkhorn North. So now this year we have Nick Thompson, who has just really took off where Andy had our defense and really kind of uh, instilled uh, just – a really toughness type mindset um, of guarding and and getting it done on the defensive side, and he's he's in charge of a lot of the drills we do. But we really do break it down uh, into parts and pieces, and then we try to put those parts and pieces together. And what we've seen is you know just a lot of success. I mean, you know, I told the guys last night after we won is I think we've had twenty wins six of the last seven years. And we had 19 wins last year, so we were really close. But uh-huh. there's not a lot of teams in Class A that can say they've had, you know, pretty much seven straight 21 seasons. So a lot of that has been a tribute to our defense and really just trying to get stops. Mm-hmm. You you, uh, you you gave me about four or five different questions I want to ask here. Let's sure. uh, let's let's start with um, let's start with my first question that I wrote down. Uh, when you're when you're talking about rotating out of your gaps 
and and it sounds like you're kind of running a little bit of a, a hybrid pack line, uh, you know, fitting your personnel. And I think that's what any smart coach and coaching staff does is is here's what we can do and and let's try to come up with something that is good for us that also fits what the kids can do. Um, when when you're um, working on your rotations, um, I've I've been very fascinated and tried to teach our kids to work more on the stunt and stay home rather than the full rotation and coming in to uh, help 100% and forcing two or three other players to rotate out of that. What do you guys uh, usually teach, or is it an evolution based on your personnel? Well, I, I think it's I think it's two things. One, I think it's based on personnel. Then, I two, I think uh, it's it's based on scout. And one thing, you know, with everybody having huddle and and coaches willing to change games, you know, two or three before you play. You know, we've done one of the things we've done is 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 our scouting and our, our preparation or our game plans can change week to week. And um, you know, we started probably in my first. 10, 12 years, we did a lot of help and, mm. and made our guys then have to rotate and recover. Now we've kind of changed that certain guys will stunt and stay home. Other guys will rotate maybe backside to help like on a drive. You know, like a perfect example is, you know, a guy sitting in the corner and a guy drives, you know, and the guy's in the strong side corner with the ball. We used to really we used to have that guy come down and stop ball. And then if the ball was thrown to the corner, he'd have to recover and contest the shot. Well, you know, now, nowadays, a lot of good offenses, let's try to beat the guy off the dribble, force the guy to come in, and then we're going to kick it for a wide open three. And, mm-hmm. and that's good offense. Well, we decided, you know, we've, we've tried to, with a scout, we, we mix it up, but sometimes we'll help. Sometimes we'll stunt and stay with that guy in the corner and make people rotate from the backside um, ball level to really establish defensive help, but also hopefully secure rebounding um, uh, advantage because we feel like if you drop level of the ball in man to man and you can rotate backside over to help, um, it's going to it's going to cut down on points at the rim and and even if they have to stop and throw it back weak side and then we recover on a on a contested jump shot, we will live with that. So. Some of it's a stay home, stunt, stay home. Some of it's a rotation on the backside, um, but we kind of mix it up depending on the team we're playing. Gotcha. Um, do you guys have? You, you talked about not wanting to get beat in transition. Do you have uh, designated guys that you send back, or is it based on positioning? Uh, you know, you're above the free throw line, so you get back. If you're below the free throw line, you crash. Yeah, we, we kind of like to designate. Um, I, I usually tell my one and my two to make sure they're getting back on defense and really throw our – I hate to say one and two because we don't really play positions anymore. We usually play four guards, uh, sometimes four guards, one big. Sometimes we're three guards, two bigs. But um, I, I usually try to tell, um, you know, like our point guard and one of our other guards that mainly is a perimeter guy to get back to get back on defense and then the other three will crash. So, um, and they've been pretty good about that. So, and, and sometimes depending on who the opponent is, whether they like to get out and run a lot or not, mm-hmm. you know, we yeah. may send three back. So, um, you know, it's really just, it's kind of a game scout by scout, but typically it's, it's our point guard and a guard on the perimeter. So, yeah. Um, 
How do you, uh, what are the ways that you get your frosh and JVs and reserves all on the same page? Are you coming in early in the season and teaching a lot of these concepts or are you having preseason meetings with your coaches and here's exactly what I want it done, here's the drills I want done, or hey, here's the basic comment, uh, concepts, teach it how you, you know, use the drills that you want, but when I come watch you play, this is what I want to see. You know, I, I think it's a combination of all three of those. Uh-huh. Um, I've been very lucky at prep to have great assistant coaches. I mean, you know, Ralph Setters, our freshman coach, and he was a longtime head coach at Gretna, um, and he does a, a really good job with our freshmen. Um, we've, you know, we've had uh, Nick Savela, who's an All-American, at Carney, who was a coach for us for many years. Um, and then I've had former players who've been JV coaches as well. Like this year, I've got Teddy Stessman, who was a uh, player for me back in probably 2005 through 2007, I believe. Um, so it's nice when you get those guys back into the program because they can really help um, some of the coaches who who maybe haven't been around as long. You know, Sam Jenkins is a first-year coach at our freshman level with Ralph. He coaches the B team. He's done a great job. Um, we had to hire a new sophomore coach this year, Ryan Wizorg who's a prep guy, but he was a football guy, but he's done a great job. And I think we all kind of help each other um, try to understand the concepts and and the drills that we want to get done. And, and I've done all three, all Mm -hmm. three that you mentioned I have done this year. I I will always come in and help them. Um, I also trust them that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing to make sure that these guys are learning and understanding the basic core concepts because they'll change a little bit here and there and, and, you know, with each level that they go up. But the other thing that's been really key that has helped us is the ability to have team camps in the summer, um, the ability to have time with your guys and do individual workouts, both, you know, you can obviously individual work or workouts are more offensive orientated, but you can talk a lot about full work and defense and, and there's some drills you can do to, to kind of just prepare them for what's going to come up for the season. But when you have, when you have the whole month of June to play some high school games at all levels, freshman, sophomore, JV, varsity, um, that can really help kind of guys, understand before you know we get into november with tryouts and and teams that hey here's what our basic information is basic knowledge basic concepts basic philosophies so um it gives them kind of a a head start a leg up Mm -hmm. and when you can do a team camp in the summer and work through those things uh it's really beneficial yeah um two more two more quick questions here coach um what percentage of your practice do you spend on your defensive concepts? Uh, you know, uh, just just on average. I know it, it changes and it fluctuates with with uh, each season and where you're at and what you think you need to work on. But on sure. average, you know, what are you spending on D and, and your base concepts and, and, and uh, you know, as you implement that? We're probably we're probably spending about 25, 30 minutes on we, we on defense. We have three parts we like to do with practice. Um, we like to have our skill development and our warm up session. We like to implement our defense concepts for the days through our different drills, and then we like to do our our offense. And then at the end, we'll come together for a little bit of you know up and down time and and team time. But you know, we really 
and this probably started about eight, nine years ago, we really felt that we needed, and, and this was another topic I threw out there as far as um, player development, culture, um, offensive philosophy. Um, we really believe that the more we can develop our kids to be just very skilled offensively, um, it's going to give us a better chance to win. Um, mm-hmm better ball handlers, better passers, good shooters, finish around the rim. Those those all come into play with our practice. So we, we kind of do warm-up, skill development, defense, then we go to offense, and then we put it all together. Sometimes Tuesday is more of a defensive day. Wednesday's more of an offensive day. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of Monday and Thursday, we combine them. But we try to spend a good 20, 30 minutes a day on defensive stuff, whether it's transition, half court, um, rebounding, um, getting out and running in transition after we rebound, because that's all part of the defensive uh, philosophy is let's get stops, let's rebound, let's get out in transition. Um, and then, you know, we, we do play some zone. I mean, we're we're 95% man-to-man, but we do mix in some 2-3, some 3-2 at times, depending on matchups, because some teams you just want to really try to keep off kilter a little bit. You don't want them to get locked in, yep. that we're just playing straight man-to-man. But um, I'd, say, I'd say 20, 25 minutes is mostly what we put into defense. Gotcha. Short, quick sta- segments that really focuses on Okay, this is what we want to do. Yep. Yeah, isolating these one or two skills here for this five to seven minutes, and then we're going to move yep. on and isolate this skill or two for five to seven minutes, that type of thing, right? Absolutely. Yep. Last question. You, you talked about having a defensive quarter. I always think it's interesting, and I, and I think it's helpful for especially head coaches talking to other head coaches about how you um, manage your staff and, and how you dole out responsibilities. And, and I realize if you have a, a first-year defensive coordinator, that's a lot different than having a, a fifth-year defensive coordinator or something like that. But uh, how much freedom, I guess, are you giving that D coordinator? Uh, hey, you got 20 minutes. Come up with something that you think we need to work on for 20 minutes, and I'm going to step back and just chime in every once in a while. But these 20 minutes are yours. Or, or is it more of run it by me what you want to do first and, and let's talk it out or – you know, here's what I want, um, figure out how you're going to implement it or, you know, how, how do you handle that relationship and how do you manage your staff in that way, coach? You know, I, I one thing I've always said to my coaches is, uh, you know, I, I trust you um, and I believe in you. So I, I really give my coaches a lot of freedom. Um, you know, let's specifically talk about Nick Thompson, our defense coordinator this year. When he, when he and I came to the the, the conclusion that he should be the varsity assistant because he was the JV coach last year. Um, you know, I gave him full, full 100% confidence that, hey, this defense is yours. You know what kind of guys we got coming back. Tell me what you want to do. If I believe in it, I will go with you on it. And, and that's the way it's been done. So he, I always, I always email him or text him when he's in class and just say, hey, check the practice schedule, put in what you want to get done. If you have a question, let me know. But otherwise, you know, I trust you and, and we'll, we'll get through it when we get to practice. So uh, or if he has his free period, he comes in. I'm like, what do you want to do? So I give him a lot of freedom because I want my coaches to coach. Mm-hmm. I want them to be able to learn how to coach and how to manage their their what they need to do, their their positions or their 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 side of the ball, per se, because at the end of the day, if I'm not allowing them to, to be them and to coach, 
then I'm not probably preparing them for ultimately a head coaching job someday. And, and one thing I want my coaches to do, I want them to thrive to be head coaches. And like I said, you know, Eric Thompson is at Marion coaching at the uh, JV varsity level with Pete Cunningham, another former coach of ours, former player of ours, who's the head coach at Marion. Um, you got uh, Jimmy Moach, who coached with us in the freshman program, mm-hmm. who's now head coach at Norris. Um, you've got uh, Andy King, who is coaching at um, uh, Elkhorn North as a head coach. You got Nate Chimenez, a former player of ours, a Division Three player of the year at Nebraska Wesleyan, who's helping Andy at uh, Elkhorn North. So we want those guys to be able to coach while they're at prep, so that if they do want to become head coaches, they've done it before. So I give my guys freedom. If I find something that we do in practice I don't like. We'll talk about it afterwards and say, "Hey, why are we doing this? You know, give me the give me the reason behind it." And if I can live with it, that's fine. Obviously, before the season, we go through and we have our core concepts and what we need to get done. But then I give them the freedom to be able to say, "Okay, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that," and he's going to trust me, and that's what we do. Gotcha. the The prep tree is bountiful. We're, we're doing, you know, I, it's sad to see some of them go, but it's also, it's kind of a, it's kind of fun and an honor to see some of them, some of them go out and, and have success and watch them build their teams. And it creates more opportunities for, for former players to come in. I've got a former player this year, Tyson Smiley, who's a tremendous kid, played college ball. Um, he's been a great addition to our staff. Um, it's just fun to create those opportunities for other guys to come in. It's a great problem to have. Means you're doing things the right way. Yep, yep. Coach Coach Josh Ludke of Creighton Prep. Coach, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast this morning. Thanks for having me. And uh, just uh, wish you guys nothing but the best of luck as the tourney trail gets heated up here in the next week or so. And and uh, you know, keep things rolling, Coach. I appreciate it. Thank you, and uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on today. No problem. We appreciate it. All right. Good luck. Yep. Thanks. Bye bye. Next up on our Quick Hitter podcast is the man, the myth, the legend out of the panhandle of western Nebraska. And I don't know if you realize this, T-Shaw, but you are the first triple threat guest here on A Pen and a Napkin. You've had your own podcast, you were on the Roundtable pod, and now you are on the Quick Hitter pod. You are truly a triple threat when it comes to podcasting, my friend. I uh, I feel like a pen and a napkin royalty right now. It's <laughs> great. Feels great. <laughs> I do. I do. I don't know what to tell you, buddy. <laughs> it feels great. I am now Come going on. to carry around in my backpack a crown, and Can't whenever wait. I see you, hopefully here in a couple of weeks, at the state tournament, I will literally crown you as as I royalty so. of a pen and a napkin. I, I want that to happen so bad. Yes. Don't don't hope that it will happen. It will happen. It's just a matter okay. of time. It's just a yeah, matter of time. We'll make it happen. Yes, absolutely. Well, I really want to see you in a couple of weeks, but I want to see your team play down at the state tournament more than I want to see. I want to have the combination. You know, we'll, we'll run into each other. We'll hang out. But I want to see your team playing as well. And in order to get that done, 
you're probably going to have to win some high-stakes special situations here. And that's what we want to talk about. Um, you've got your, your district final or your sub-state game, uh, the, the game to get to the state tournament here uh, this coming Friday. And imagine a lot of your time this week will be uh, spent on scouting and prepping for special situations. So, uh, and, and I'm sure you've been doing that all season long. So uh, just kind of go through your uh, process here, Coach Shaw, on uh, what you do uh, to prepare your teams for end of quarter, end of half, uh, end of game type of situations and, and how you get your kids set up for it. Well, you know, one thing that uh, sometimes goes uh, we, we forget about is that you actually have to practice them. Mm-hmm. You, have to set, you have to schedule the time to practice them. And sometimes it gets kind of, oh, man, we don't have time for this. Let's move it to the next day, the next day. But this stage of the season, you kind of have to practice it. So uh, we, we, we've done that a little bit uh, throughout, especially the last month, um, practice it. And something that we did this, this season a few weeks ago is – uh, I, I split the girls into two teams and gave them the situation and literally gave them zero guidance on what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and let, and I gave them about a minute to huddle and figure out what they were going to do. And then I, we just turned them loose and, um, it, uh, it didn't go great. <laughs> not going to lie, it didn't go great, and uh, but it did make them start to think, you know, and ask questions. What do we do here? Is this why we do, you know? And, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think it was kind of eye-opening for them uh, and, and, and made them kind of uh, think through those situations more than instead of reacting to mm-hmm. them, you know, and to what yeah. the coaches say and what the coaches, hey, we need to foul here. Hey, we need to get up and press here. You know, it, it, it I think I think it kind of opened their eyes into, oh, we need to start thinking about these situations. Yeah. Well, and in some ways, if it goes great, you you're you're happy, but at the same time, it's a win-win for you because if it doesn't go great, now you get to you get to uh, redirect their attention on mm-hmm. you know this is why this is important and this is why we do need to handle this in, in a certain way and we do need to think about these things and it allows you especially later in the season where maybe not not maybe usually they get a little tired of hearing your voice now it gives uh, an opportunity for you to to have your voice be uh, more uh, emphasized or more what's the word I'm looking for here the importance of your voice kind of kicks back up again a little bit becomes a little bit more essential yeah right? uh the so so we did that and then we did the same thing only giving them a little bit of guidance and uh i think it went better obviously if you practice the scenario a couple of times each mm-hmm. time it's gonna go better mm-hmm. there's one time i think we did uh, both teams at the same scenario like three times in a row and each time it got a little bit better so mm-hmm. uh, with a little bit of guidance and with their attention on on what they were supposed to do, it, it was uh, it was a it was a good uh, it was a good experiment. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So, what are some other ways? You know, you, you you talked about splitting them up and and giving that. Were you also kind of before we move on from that one? Were you also kind of curious as to who was going to take charge of the situation, and what did you learn about your team from that? Absolutely. You know, that was one of the things. Is like who's going to uh, who's going to speak up? Who's going to listen? Who's going to you know try to uh, take control of it with, with their voice. And, uh, that was, a uh, it was, you know, 
it was, it was kind of what I expected, but at the same time, um, it was it was a little eye opening at times as well. Yeah. So, you know, you're you uh, I'm guessing you were going through. You know, you're down four, minute and a half. Uh, black team's got the ball. They're down four, but they've got the ball here, and and we're doing that. Uh, but there's probably other times where you're working on. Uh, end of quarter, end of half, you know, we've got the ball, they've got the ball. Uh, what are some ways that you implement those type of situations into your practices, Coach? Well, you know, like when you are, uh, when you have one of those situations, you can, um, I guess you got to figure out, are you a timeout guy or a on-the-fly guy? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely, like, yeah. Are you, are you going to burn? And I and I probably, I've, I've been successful both ways. I've been bur- burned both ways. Mm-hmm. Um you know, uh, I've, I've called timeout to wipe off points off the board. <laughs> I've, uh, I've, uh, let, uh, let them go and, uh, not gotten a very good look at the hoop, even though I thought we were going to get a good look at the hoop. So kind of have to decide, are we going to go set plays? Are we going to go freelance? And, um, it's probably, it's definitely one of those things where if like the more playmakers you have on the floor, uh, you, I'm kind of, I kind of let them just go, mm-hmm. um, the less playmakers you have on the floor, it's timeout set play. Let's see if we can get a set in. Mm-hmm. Um, how often do you work on that in practice during the flow of the season? And I'm always kind of curious uh, in, with with coaches and how they set up things in practice. Uh, where do you slide that in in practice? Uh, how much time do you try to designate for it? Uh, that type of stuff. First half of the season, we are just trying to get all of our stuff in. And then when we get past like about middle january is kind of the doldrums if that makes sense yep. you know like yeah you the start, dog days yeah the dog days of uh of the winter you start uh implementing a little bit of that a little bit of that here and there a uh, couple minutes here a couple minutes there maybe five minutes maybe 10 minutes a couple scenarios it almost always runs long yeah. it almost always goes longer than than i have planned out just because um you do want to explain some of those situations, but sometimes you just got to kind of move on. It's like, oh, we didn't get a good shot. Let's let's move on. You yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, but usually, end of practice, uh, especially when practice is starting to shorten up a little bit, um, we, we we typically last week was bef- the, or sorry, the previous week before uh, the sub districts, and then kind of uh, last week we had, a, we had some game, a game Tuesday, Thursday, which is a little weird for us because we were in C one this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was definitely different, and then uh, this week specifically, we'll hit it pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever uh, either using your team's film or scout film? Um, do do you go through in your film sessions? Hey, here's the special situations. Here, here's what we did well, or here, you know, let's take a look at this. What do you think we should do here? Uh, there's there's 20 seconds left in the quarter, and they're in a two three zone, and we've got the ball. What should we run by them? Uh, what should we run at them if we're in this situation? Is that a, another way that you can use, uh, or is that another way that you guys teach special situations and, and awareness uh, when maybe you don't have as much time on the floor, but you can kind of sneak in a little one minute lesson during film study yeah i I gotta be honest with you we gotta we need to do more of that uh Mm -hmm. just because uh that that's a it's a value where they can actually see the results of certain situations uh we don't do enough of that Uh to be honest with you so that's thanks for the ideas that's why i'm on here right (laughs) just get it (laughs) 
that's, that's, I'm just learning from the master. Oh, uh, no, that's, that's definitely. That's and and, definitely and now everybody listening to this has just thrown up a little bit in their mouth here, T-Shaw. <laughs> It's all right. It's perfect. It's good. So we so we got to give the people what they want. So, um, the uh, yeah, when you're watching film and such, you know, I might point out, you know, like teams film sessions. We don't have a heck of a lot of them. We get on huddle. We track how much the girls watch and stuff. But like, there'll be certain times where I'll say, "Hey, watch the end of the Mitchell Shattering game. Um, watch how Shattering got a wide open three at the buzzer." kind of out of a chaotic missed free throw situation that was allowed that allowed them to win the game. Um, watch how that watch how that took place and uh, and and they they always they always they always watch it and they always comment on it's like wow she was really open. I was like, yeah, it was crazy, wasn't it? They kinda of forgot about her, the trailer coming down, you know, <laughs> when you're when you're up one and everybody's protecting the paint, you, know, you sometimes lend to giving up a wide open three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a, who was the guy from Villanova that hit the three? The, uh, Chris Jenkins that hit the national Jenkins. championship. Yeah, 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 the trailer. He was the trailer, wasn't he? Was yeah. he the inbounder? Was he the inbounder? I, I believe he, he was the sure. inbounder, and yeah. they they flipped it back to him. So, yep. yeah, uh, my my cousin Jim, who's a North Carolina grad, uh, I, I think he's still crying over that one. So, yeah, that was that was that was a really great game. <laughs> yeah, it was. Was game. yeah, it was. absolutely. Um, one other question, Coach. Um, when you guys are getting ready for for special situations, and this is one thing we started doing uh, this year, um, we would get to like a end of the quarter, and let's say it's it's, and, and we did this a lot, like off of free throws. We would practice it off a of free throw situation. Okay, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, Arlington is is shooting one and one, and there's twelve seconds left to go in the quarter. Okay, when we inbound it. We're gonna run this. It's 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 automatic that we're gonna run blank. Um, is that something that you guys have worked on a little bit in the past or implemented uh, to, to so that you know, like you said, if you're in the flow of it, hey, it's just automatic call. Here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna run, and let's roll with it. You know, a few years ago, we started uh, really making a uh, an effort to run the floor mm-hmm. off of free throws. Um, I was watching. I remember it was Bishop Newman or somebody like that, where they like off of a free throw make, they get the ball in bounds and they would throw it ahead and they'd get a layup mm-hmm. from the other team. And, even, and so we made a made a point of doing that. And uh, with with the person we had a couple years ago, we actually won a game because of that. We were able to force overtime, and and it was like what five seconds left or whatever. We got to go. Like mm-hmm. let's just run. Let's just get up and throw it ahead and see if we, and we had a girl get fouled. She luckily made two free throws, forced overtime. And we hit a three, forced double overtime and one. Um, but it's definitely something you can do. Uh, you know, also having a kind of a play that is kind of good versus man or zone. Uh-huh. Because, you know, free throw situations, sometimes uh, coaches change it up. Sometimes they might go zone press on you or, something along those lines just to kind of slow you down, staying, you know, just trying to stay between you and the basket. So having something like that, that would work. Um, that's probably more applicable out of a sideline out of bounds gotcha. is having a point that works, works for man and zone. Um, just because, you know, like you call timeout in a special situation, they they, they decide to go, they play in point zone the whole time. Like, well, let's go man now. Mm-hmm. So, you have a play against zone only, it's it's no bueno. Then you're, you know, yelling on the fly, change it to this, and it's very confusing. So 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. A zone or man, you know, have have, and the more sets that you can have against zone or man, you know, that that can be applicable to both. Um, that just that just simplifies your playbook and it simplifies everything for your kids as well, which helps make those special situations more. Uh, it makes it easier to navigate those special situations where they have to think less and just react more. Yeah, just a little more comfortable. I mean, with a couple of tweaks, you can take the zone play and make it a make it a, a, a man play. I stole one from, uh, I think it was ben, Trent Benjamin, um, back when you coaches, uh, coach for, uh, Holdridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a sideline out of bound that, that, uh, we ran, I think, I think it was in 2014 that, uh, was able to let us, uh, allow us to win a game when the defense did switch from zone to man. And it was, it was actually better man play. So I'm glad they switched. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you did you tell the coach after that? You know, hey, thanks uh, for doing that. I appreciate it. I don't think their coach. Yeah, their coach was not in a situation where he wanted to hear hear that. I think <laughs> since it was a it was a pretty high stakes game and a high stakes at the buzzer play. So I yeah. I didn't I didn't like wave and say thanks or anything like that. Yeah, that that's that's very uh, sportsmanlike of you. Well, Kiko. you know, so so we try to do. Yeah, awesome. Well, hey. My friend, win the next 32 minutes and, and bring the Red Raiders uh, back east again. Oh, we'd love to. We'd love to. Yeah, yeah. The triple threat of a pen and a napkin. He is officially pen and a napkin royalty. Tyler Shaw, the head girls <laughs> basketball coach at Sydney High School in Sydney, Nebraska. Uh, regardless, uh, let's uh, let's meet up and, and uh, re- regardless of how your next 32 minutes of basketball go here, uh, let's meet up and break some bread here in a couple of weeks. All right, man? All right, sounds great. All right, thanks, Coach. Bye-bye. Next up on our Quick Hitter pod, volume number two. We're going to change it up here a little bit. Uh, Pete, I think you are the first person ever in a year and a half of a pen and a napkin to not be a coach or a former coach that has been on the podcast. So you should feel very, very special right now. Yep. Absolutely. Very privileged. <laughs> Chris Peterson, uh, Omaha area official, uh, great, great official, does a terrific job for, for kids and, and coaches in the Omaha area. But I, I thought it would be good uh, to, to have an official on the podcast so that uh, coaches could hear the, the perspective of the game from the official's point of view and, and some of the things that you guys look at and look for. And I know we have you know, the, the pregame chit-chat before every game, and here's what we're looking for and that type of thing. But uh, when when you're going into a, a game, um, you know, what are what are some of the things that you want to try to uh, see from an official's point of, of view, the, the, the flow of the game, uh, that type of stuff? What are you trying to establish as an official? Well, first of all, uh, let's go before the game. Is that... Uh the officials in the locker room, we, we talk about the game uh, prior to going, taking the floor. And if we've seen teams already out there before, we kind of know what their tendencies are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know who their players are, basically, their scores, their defenders, the type of offenses they run. Or we, try to, we try to get that down. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about uh, how we're going to you know, officiate, make sure that we have off-ball coverage, uh, make sure uh, we trust each other as partners because there's three of us out there and we all have a primary area yeah. throughout the court. And we want to make sure we stay in those. Um, and then um, 
once once uh, once we trust each other, say you make sure we give that that person of the primary the first chance at making the call in their primary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is uh, one of the things prior to the game. Then when we take the floor, uh, you know, you think maybe we're just out there kind of uh, shooting the ball a little bit and. Uh, looking around but we actually watch the players warm up a little bit uh-huh. we watch we watch pivot players watch their footwork as they do some of their things uh, we watch shooters doing the same thing we watch their footwork as as they prepare to shoot so we kind of get an idea of, of what to expect because as an official i mean this is one of the things that i've been taught and i'm not saying every official does the same thing is that when we officiate players we officiate feet up okay first thing we first thing we want to do is that we want to see we want to make sure we have that uh, know which foot is the the, the pivot foot mm-hmm. right off the bat. Um, so that is is some of the things you know, like just prior, I guess prior to prior to tip off. Um, then so once we get into tip off, once again we, uh, we we try to get into the flow of the game a little bit and uh, uh, just kind of establish establish each other each other's uh, primary once again and and uh, making sure that. Uh, we are in sync with each other. Uh, I'm going to say this, and it's not always right, but if we have a call that done on one end, let's have a similar call on the other end. Mm-hmm. That type of thing is that 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 helps us sync up a little bit because each of us, um, each of us have different ways we officiate. I guess is, is different is interpretations of uh, of, yeah, of the same thing. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so w- once we go into there, is that we want to make sure that we're very similar, or try to establish a, establish a similar pattern on each end. So uh, with that being said, you know we, we kind of let the, the flow of the game go a little bit. If we have a, a hand check on, on one end, let's let's make sure we have the same hand check on the other end. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that type of thing. Uh, just watch and. and not to say that we're looking for for an off ball foul, but we want to make sure if if we have an off ball foul, let's have one early in the game as opposed to calling your first off ball foul with two minutes to go in the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I, I yeah. can think of one game that uh, this was uh, quite a few years ago, and it was a tight game, and we had the ball with like thirty seconds left, and some guy called a random moving screen when we were trying to inbound the ball, and I'm like. Are you kidding me? We've been we've been running that same screen for 31 minutes, and now you're going to call it? Oh, that, that I was I was not happy, Pete. So anyway, well, well, exactly, and I'm glad you say that. Is that I mean, I'm not saying it shouldn't have been called, but if you had been doing the same thing for uh, you know, like say 30 minutes or so, and uh, that's the first time they decide to call it, that that's kind of an error in the judgment of the official. And I'm not going to put anything on the official. I I wasn't there. I didn't see it. Uh, I don't know what the severity of the, the, the no. move was, but if it's yeah. the same movement, it, it, in my opinion, and, and let me say that again, in my opinion, it shouldn't have been called. Sure, sure. Well, I'll send you the film, and you can make that judgment from seven years ago. How about that? <laughs> was it me, Marty? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was. It was. It was. It was. Uh, it was on the road. It was. It was a long ways from Omaha, and we ended up winning the game. So, you know, my my my. Uh, my anger subsided a, a couple of minutes later, so I was okay. So, uh, so uh, you know, let's say you guys get to halftime. Uh, what are you guys talking about in the locker room at halftime? You know, we talk about coaching adjustments at halftime. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you guys are talking about the flow of the game in the first half and what's going on and what did you see here and and that type of thing. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things we do at halftime is that we we kind of reevaluate the first half. Uh, we 
take in consideration some of the comments. And, and you know, coaches make comments all the time. Is that uh, comments like, oh, that's a traveling or this or that, uh, watch that screen or um, things like that. So if we hear it from one coach that you know, they keep saying that's a traveling, we'll go back in and say, you know, you know, we hear it from, let's say, I'm just going to say you, Marty. You're Marty saying that, that this team's traveling. Are you guys seeing anything? I said, I know we pick up on your comments. It's not that we respond to your comments, but if, if you're making a comment, you see things, you may be seeing things that we, we don't, mm-hmm. uh, or you're seeing things as the way you want to see them. So we want to make sure. <laughs> I've um, never, I've never done that, Pete. <laughs> never. But no, we want to, and we want to establish that. We say, you know, and we'll say, and once again, I'll use your name. We'll say, Marty is saying, you know, we're, we're missing some travel. Are we, are you, are you guys seeing anything? Because, even though you guys are making that comment and we're not responding, we, we start to say, okay, well, we're going to look for that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we make those adjustments. Uh, the adjustments might be, too, is that depending on the lead, it's not we're going to change anything, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, a team may come out in a zone, in a press or a zone or, or do something different. So it's, it's we put it that we, we try to prepare ourselves mentally for anything that you guys uh, do during halftime to make adjustments, because yeah. we know there's there's something something different's going to happen in the second half. Yeah. Does it? Uh, you're, you're talking about coaches and and you know what they're saying to you. Um, if if a coach phrase it phrases it early in a game, um, and, and if you say, and I'll just you know I you know I'll just use this as an example. Hey, Pete, we uh, you know. Please watch their. Please watch them moving on their screens. They, they. We watched them a lot on film, and they move a lot on their screens. Please watch that. Sure. Is is that does that register at all? At all? Does that you know uh, help you kind of maybe okay maybe that is something I need to keep an eye out on. No, and yeah, we, you know, we take it both ways and say, you know, sure. uh, we, first of all, is that if, if that's something that that was said to me, then maybe even during timeout, you know. Well, you know, if we get together, we don't, once again, we don't just kind of shoot the ball a little bit. We say, you know, let's make sure we got a good off ball. You know, we, let's look for moving screens, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Um, so it, 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 we, we do take it into consideration. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, it, and it depends on how often uh, you're saying it or, you know, if you're questioning something every time down the, the floor. Um <laughs> then, then oh, we sure. all <laughs> we, we got so we say God are, are we that bad tonight? No, we don't say that. <laughs> but, but no, I think I think then we all say we 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 take in consideration that uh, maybe maybe you're just complaining about everything as yeah. opposed to uh, actually looking for something that we we need to look for. Mm-hmm. What's a what's a couple of things that. You know, as as an official, uh, don't do this as a coach. Uh, and 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 maybe it's not just limited to you, uh, but you know, you you've talked to your your you've been doing this a long time, Pete, and and you've worked with probably about everybody uh, that's uh, that's uh, prominent here in the Omaha area on both the boys and the girls side. Uh, you know, what is kind of the consensus of? Hey, don't you know that's don't say that uh that that those that type of thing doesn't get you anywhere other than the obvious you know you 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 drop the wrong big word or words at a certain time or whatever it may be but just as coaches are talking to officials during the flow of the game um 
what what are things that that you're like app that's that's getting you nowhere uh, the, the phrase call it both ways first of all yeah what does that mean <laughs> you know it's, yeah i mean it's call and the thing is as officials first of all the officials we're, we're the we're the only three impartial people out there <laughs> that's very I mean, true we really are yeah yep, I mean, yep. you got fans you got even the scorekeepers uh they're they're supposed to be part of our officiating team, but they're partial. Yeah. And, and, and of course the coaches and, and teams are all partial. Yeah. We're the three people, we're the three people. And I'm telling you, he's using three man mechanic here, but we're yep. the only three people out there that really don't care who wins this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, we're out there. Our job is to first of all, keep the kids safe and, and keep the game within the rules. Uh-huh. And that's, uh, that's what, that's what our job is. And that's what we're going to do. We're, we're not, we it, sometimes it may be perceived that we're calling things on one end and we're not the other end. But if it's not on the other end, we're not going to call it. Sure. Uh, and so we get that that term, call it both ways. And once again, it's it's like a, it's a, a phrase that really doesn't mean anything to us, but it, it just drives us crazy. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to write that one down. I'm going to write that down. Uh, uh, Another one, and and I, I know it's it's human nature on this one, but if we have a, a a team that's got seven fouls and the other team's got one, yeah, you know, pointing out, hey, the fouls are seven to one. Yeah, you know, believe me, we know it. Yeah, we know what the fouls are. Yeah, and I'm going to say this, and in, in me and my officiating crew, we're going to we're actually looking for something to call on the other team. I mean, mm-hmm. we're we're if it's seven to one, we know without even saying anything, hey, let's get one on the other team. Mm-hmm. You know, it's we we know what's out there, and it's not that it's seven one because I don't think we've missed any on the other team, but it just there hasn't been there. And maybe the team's playing a zone defense as opposed to man to man defense. Mm-hmm. And of course, you're man to man. You're going to have you usually have more fouls in a man to man type of a defense as opposed to a zone defense. Yeah. I'm not saying that always happens, but usually a team that plays zone, you know, you're not. You know, you're, yeah. you're not constantly on that player. You know, you sure. shift and play. You know, it, it's, it's just a different concept. Yeah, absolutely. It is a different concept, mm-hmm. but it is. It's like you know. So that that's another one that what might say, hey, seven to one, it's seven to one out there in fouls, and we yeah. know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and we are. And I'll be honest with you, we are. We're we're, we're looking. We're actually looking hard to get one on the other team. Yeah, I, I I I'm sure over the years that that you've officiated my game speed, I've probably used this with you. When, when those situations usually come about, um, I, I usually try to say, "Hey, you know, look, I, I'm not I'm not complaining about any of the stuff that you've called on us. If we fouled them, we fouled them. But I feel like we're attacking as well. Uh, you know, l- looks like we've had some contact there. Just just keep an eye out for it." And, sure. and, and and that's kind of how I've tried to evolve my verbiage. And again, you get into the heat of the battle, and and you're 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 not always perfect with that. But as you get older, as you get more experience, you you do kind of have a way of not necessarily looking at the foul numbers, but looking at okay, how is this game evolving, and what do we need to do to draw more contact? To okay, if we don't like being down five to one or six to one in team fouls, what do we need to do differently to a quit fouling and b be more aggressive? to draw contact, uh, to, to, to earn those fouls. Uh, because I think you're right that there is human nature where you're like, you don't want to hear it's six to one. It's, it's seven to one. You know, um, you are probably hunting for that a little bit, you know, but you're not going to just call phantom stuff just to call it either. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and 
we 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 won't. And when I say we look for one, we're not looking for a phantom. We're, yeah. we're looking for something. Yeah. And to be honest with you, if it's if now all of a sudden we have one that might have been fifty fifty, well, it's going to be a hundred percent because because we got it. We we we, we want to get one. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, it's it's one of the things is that yeah, like you said, is a what you know maybe you you as as a team that that's down, I guess in that that foul category you know attack a little bit differently you know put a little emphasis on your attack you know uh, try to cause a little contact or that type of thing uh but um yeah like i say believe me we are we are absolutely looking for for something on the other team Mm -hmm. last question pete uh what do you need from uh us as coaches to make your jobs easier you know what 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 makes it uh, what what can we do as coaches so that you know you guys can just do your jobs and and lock in on the action on the floor? Well, and, well, we never say don't ever question us because I know, gosh, we have to be questioned. But, sure, uh, you know, minimize that. And, and I did a game just the other day, and I'm not going to say who it was, but both coaches. That first of all, we we know both coaches, mm-hmm. or, or we knew both coaches going into the game, and we know their reputation. And basically, we, we knew that going in that if they say something to us, then that we may have missed something because both the coaches that we had were relatively uh, out there just to coach their team. Uh-huh. And that's what I've seen in the past with them. So going into that is that knowing right away is that and if you see something that we have missed, and, and, and I always say this in the coaches meeting, say, you know, we'll answer any question you have mm-hmm. because you have questions and we're there to answer your question. Uh we're not going to answer comments because comments are going to be made. Yeah. Uh, but um, for us, and I tell people, tell, uh, or tell the coaches also, is that, you know, we've got 10 players on the court we want to take care of. Like, so, and one of the things that I never, hardly ever worry about is the coach's box. Uh-huh. Uh, because if you're coaching your team and not, I guess, trying to get our, our yelling at the officials, that type of thing, we're going to we are going to let you outside that coach's box and just coach mm-hmm. because we want to make sure that we're, we're, we're watching the 10 players out mm-hmm. there, you know, and every time that now we hear a comment or something from the coach, you know, it kind of takes our attention span from the 10 out there. And we're trying to get into, you know, listen to what he's saying or he or, he or she is saying, or listening for that question and, and still trying to officiate the game. So I guess at, at the most is minimizing, you know, if there's something that really you really need to question, I get to question it. But um, um, if, if we make a mistake uh, 10 seconds into the game, let it go. Yeah. <laughs> because it's early. Uh, and we make mistakes. And that's one of the things I, I, I say in, in my coaches meeting too, or, or prior to this year when we had um, – more extensive coaches meetings was you know i've never officiated a perfect game but i'm yeah. here to try one more time and yeah. believe me i've, I've coached <laughs> thousands I, i've ref thousands of games yeah so it, it's it's you know I'm, I'm out there and we're out there every time trying to officiate a perfect game and, and i've never seen one officiated perfectly with with myself or any of my partners mm-hmm. so our, our intent is out there to, to be perfection uh or be the best we can and that's that's uh you know we're we're out there. We want to make sure that we we officiate the game, officiate the ten people out on the floor, uh, keep it safe for them, and uh, you know, try to keep it fair. Yeah, Pete, awesome perspective, awesome perspective. I love it, and and I love what you say about officiating uh, a perfect game. And I think that's something as as I've gotten older, uh, 
you know, I've never coached a perfect game. Players never played a perfect game, and, and an official is not going to officiate a perfect game. And as and as soon as we realize that we're all human and that mistakes are going to happen, um, you know, I, I think that helps improve the uh, player, or I'm sorry, the coach official relationship. And uh, if you're busting your butt, if you're easy to talk to. Um, if you're getting in the position the best that you can, I think almost every coach to a T would say, "Hey, uh, as, as long as as long as the stuff is consistent, then we can live with the result, and we've got to coach our team better if if we don't get the result that we want." And and I think that's that's the way that we need to look at it. So, yes. yeah. So yeah, that sounds fair enough. And let me add one more thing. And I made this comment to a kid one time when I, on the floor as a young gentleman, and. Uh, uh, he was upset. You could see his, his facial expression after I made a call mm-hmm. on him. And uh, he, and I know kids nowadays are making more facial expressions than what they used to. But at the time, it, it, so I called him over and I said, I said, hey, I said, uh, I said, when you missed that layup, did you mean to miss that layup? And he goes, no. I said, you know what? I said, I said sometimes officials miss calls, too. Yep. I said, I, said, I may have missed that on you. Yep. Okay, he said, "You understand where I'm coming from?" And he goes, "Yeah." And he shook his head. So that's what yep. you know. So it's one of those things, you know. And definitely, definitely, we we miss calls, and uh, you know, it's we don't do it on purpose. Uh, like you say, the players don't miss things on purpose. You don't miss you don't miss calls on purpose. But uh, sure, it happens in the, in the, the that's the, the the beauty of basketball is that you have so many opportunities during the game to correct that. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, it is the beautiful game. So you got a, yeah. you got a, you got a couple more games lined up this week, then I'm sure. Actually, I'm done. You I'm are done. done. I, okay. I am done for the year, which uh, is good for an older guy like me. I, <laughs> I get to watch uh, uh, more college basketball on TV, and then uh, hopefully we get. Uh, get to some uh some of the district finals and, and and watch some of those you bet well ice down those knees pete and we'll we'll see you back out here in the summertime then sounds good marty all right thanks chris appreciate it you bet bye bye hey coaches before we get to our last quick hitter interview i want to talk to you a little bit about teachhoops.com Coaches, do you want to have an opportunity to have a hands-on mentor to help you hone your craft as a basketball coach? Look no further than teachhoops.com, a place where coaches go to get better. Coach Steve Collins out of Madison, Wisconsin, shares his three decades of coaching knowledge with his subscribers through resources like podcasts, one-on-one mentoring sessions, and much more with teachhoops.com. Go to teachhoops.com backslash A-P-A-A-N, that's a pen and a napkin, where subscriptions start at $34.99 a month. When you sign up, you get a 14-day free trial. So combine teachhoops.com with a pen and a napkin to help you become the best coach that you can be. Last, but certainly not least, definitely not least, Mike, you're definitely not least. You're at least, you know, right in the middle of the bell curve of, of leastness, um, <laughs> the the uh, activities director from Carroll Kemper High School, uh, one of uh, the most important people in my life, Mike Power, former longtime uh, college basketball coach at various different schools, most notably Briarcliff University. Uh, Mike, how you doing on this snowy Sunday? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Uh, you know, hanging in there. Uh, just, just uh, you are my fifth and final. Uh, podcast guest here on the quick hitter and and I'm excited to kind of talk to you about uh, you know what we're going to talk about here for the next few minutes which is um, you are now uh, an activities director uh, is it do you call yourself an athletic director or activities director 
Well, I think the term is I'm actually the activities director. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seems like I deal mostly with the athletic side of things. Um, So it's kind of, it's more about the title, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, So you obviously, you coached for over 30 years. Um, You, uh, you know, really didn't know anything other than coaching. And, and now you've kind of stepped into this new situation, especially at the high school level. Uh, what, uh, we'll start with this question. What are some things that maybe you didn't realize about administration um, or, or not necessarily didn't realize, but just uh, kind of shifted per se uh, your, your your focus as an administrator as opposed to when you were a full-time coach and, and, and how do you look at coaching differently now that you've stepped away and, and now you're in more of a supervisory role? Well, thank you. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah. Hey, anytime. The other part is, you know, I do think there is uh, a big difference. Like you, I think your question there, the very last one there, was, was spot on. It, it's kind of a little bit, you know, I see the game, I see things a little bit different from this seat as compared to being in the seat of a coach, you know. Mm-hmm. But at the same token, I think when I sit down and evaluate my coaches after the seasons are over with, um, I have a good perspective because I've been, I've been in their shoes. I walked their, the walk that they've been in, and, you know, when they had that tough loss, I, I know exactly what they're going through. Yeah. I remember those days, you know, as a coach. And so, um, so my perspective is a little bit different. You know, it's more, I kind of just watch more from a standpoint of, Hey, I, I kind of the coach's coach, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I just try to feel like I can bring in some input and help them out. Cause we do have a lot of young coaches here at Kemper. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, some people only have one or two years of head coaching experience. Um, a football coach, just, this was his first year. So, you know, you got young young coaches, um, a lot of enthusiasm, but some things that hopefully, you know, I can help out and mentor a little bit. And so I do enjoy that side of it. Um, you know, ask the other question as far as uh, the difference between, you know, some of the things from coaching and well, being a high school coach, uh, excuse me, being a high school athletic director, it's a little bit different from a standpoint. I have to do all the scheduling for everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, all the schedules. And I, that was a little bit different for me because I've been used to doing your own schedule when you're a college basketball coach. Now I'm doing everybody's schedule. And, um, with COVID year last year, not having a spring season, we got the double whammy because all those was canceled. Now it kind of rolls over and it's just been, it's been a mess. I think for everybody, but I think it's been a double mess for me because nothing was done prior to this too. So um, I feel like I just, this whole year I've been feeling like I'm playing catch up on the scheduling side of things and I do enjoy it. But once we get to, you know, get on top of that, I think it's going to be a much more enjoyable. Yeah. What uh, you, you kind of talked about, you, you do see things a, a little bit differently. What are, what are some of the things that you've noticed and, and, and everybody's perspective is going to be different. Uh, but, but what do, what are, two, three, four things that you see differently now that, you know, like, again, you're, you're in this new position, you're in this completely different role. And as you watch your coach's coach, uh, what, how, how do you see things differently? Well, I think sometimes, you know, like now from this position, I'm kind of watching how the, you know, how the coaches coach, you know, how they interact with their kids, how they interact with their assistant coaches, you know, how they do games management, um, 
watch some of their practices, you know, see what they do. Um, I think some of those things have been good for me to watch uh, how different coaches go about their business. You know, I think it's really important, obviously, as you know, as a coach yourself, how important it is for them to be able to relate to their kids mm-hmm. and be able to get, get, get the things across. And then, you know, the other part about it, too, is just organizational skills. Um, getting, I asked for certain things to get in on time or whatever, and just seeing how some coaches um, could be really good at that or maybe really lack at that mm-hmm. and would go a long ways as far as making their life and my life and everybody's life better if you just had a little more organizational skills. Yeah. What, what do you feel like, uh, you know, what are you able to bring to the table uh, to your younger coaches, like you said, you know, I don't want to say you're old, Mike, but <laughs> I am old, Marty. You, you you've been around the the sun a few times. How about that? Um, yeah. But you know, you you know, are you enjoying the process of mentoring these younger coaches, and 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 what are some some of the things that you've tried to uh, to help them out with, or what what are some of the things that you be, feel like you've been able to bring to the table uh, that you didn't. Uh, think that you were going to have to bring to the table with with some of your younger coaches on staff? Well, you know, one of the things that when I took this position was, um, you know, you always have a lot of ideas, what what you like to do, maybe what you want to do. Um, but, you know, I got some really good advice from Nick Nelson, the former AD that I had there at uh, Firecliff, the former basketball coach, too. You know, like Nick said, hey, don't come in with all your, with guns blazing. Just sit back this first year, kind of watch the lay of the land, see how it goes, and when it's all said and done, you know, make your decisions on how you want to go into the next year. So I've been kind of taking a lot of notes on things that uh, I've been watching, how people work or don't work, or, you know, certain things that are going on. And when you come back to your question as far as the, the with the coaches, um, you know, one of the things that I just I see is – I didn't really know this until I got into it deeper is, you know, at the college level, as you know, this Marty is that we don't deal a whole lot with the parent situations mm-hmm. as far as even a coach, let alone the AD. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at the high school level, you deal with a lot more parental involvement. And I knew that was going to happen, but, uh, <clears throat> um, you know, it's just kind of one of the things that's just making sure that you have a philosophy and, as, as when I say philosophy, I'm talking about the athletic department, making sure that they go by the chain of command. You know, that if, if, a, if a parent, for example, or a player has an issue, that first and foremost, that they go to the coach. You know, don't jump and come right to me or don't jump and go above me. You know, just make sure you go through the chain of command. And that's something I've been trying to, you know, get across to our parents and players and coaches. And this is how we're going to do it. The other part about it, too, is I'm big on the 24-hour rule, meaning that if a parent is irate and upset about, you know, a coach, maybe let's say coach didn't play their kid as much in this playing time and is upset or whatever, um, is the coach don't interact with that parent and wait 24 hours. And 24 hours from now, we can meet and we can have discussion, meeting the coach and the parent, mm-hmm. and discuss this. But I think when you know, I learned that a long time ago. You know, long, long time ago, Marty. When I worked with Don Kelly at yeah. Pius High School back in '85, and that's one thing that Don taught me way back then was, you know, 
he always had a 24-hour rule, meaning that when a parent came up and was upset, he'd tell them, listen, we're not, and this is before we had cell phones or emails, he just said, hey, we'll talk tomorrow at this time and discuss it. And he'd always tell me one of the reasons why was because emotions both ways are really, really high at that point. Sure. And there's going to be some stuff said as a parent to a coach and coach to a parent. So let's just, you know, you go home, just, you know, sometimes you distance yourself a little bit, you come back, you can have a civil conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think that that's a good perspective to, to have that, you know, probably there's, there's as frustrated as the, the parent or the player may be with the coach, what a lot of times the parent and the player don't realize is there's probably just as much frustration from the coach towards the player or the parent as well. Don't you think, Mike? Well, absolutely. And, and, the, and I think that guards you both ways, you know, yeah. guards, the parent, guards the parent from saying stuff that they're probably going to regret. But even bigger than that, especially when you have a lot of um, younger coaches that, like I said, we, we have here at Kemper is, you know, um, emotions can really fly. Somebody could say something that then you really don't want it to be said. And you said it and you should have never said it, you know. Yeah. So you kind of take that step back and realize and, and bigger than that, as you know this, and I know this, is don't go to social media with it, too. You know, yeah. I think now we're running into more and more of that is somebody says something on social media, you know, about a coach or vice versa. Coach says something about, you know, and it just mushrooms out. So I think, you know, if everybody just before you hit send, really, really think about it. Yeah. Make sure that's what you want out there. You know, that's what we tell our own players, right? Yeah. But coaches, coaches are just as guilty sometimes as, as, as anybody. So yeah. you gotta be careful what you send. Well, especially I, I haven't noticed it as much with the high school teams when it comes to the social media and, uh, the, uh, um, uh, the, the trash talk, I guess. I really noticed it last summer with the AAU, um, coaches saying this and that about this program or this tournament or that type of thing. And it's just like, you know, dude, once you, once you do it or do that, once you hit send, you can't take that back. And, and that, that, you know, what, what, what's the purpose of that? What have you, what have you done, uh, other than make yourself feel better? It's, it's like, uh, I forget who said it, uh, but somebody said, uh, one time, you know, complaining is, is like throwing up and yeah, you're able to complain and you feel better, but now everybody else around you feels worse because they're just drugged down by your negativity. And, oh, and, yes. and, and when you put that out there on social media, all, all that does is, yeah, you get to feel better because you got to vent a little bit, but you've done nothing but exacerbate the problem. Absolutely. And that's, you know, unfortunately, you know, I've seen that at the college level where kids have sent stuff on out, you know, um, I've experienced it now at the high school level, both ways, not just players, but, but also I've seen it from coaches and it's just, sometimes you just got to really think about it before you hit send and, you know, it becomes, becomes a bigger thing than it really needs to be. Yeah. But, you know, I also do think that coming back to the whole 24 hour, sometimes in heated or really emotional situations, if people would just sit back and don't tweet, don't send something out on Facebook, don't send a text message, just wait 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And if you still feel that way, 
then, you know, usually if you give yourself a, enough time, you can settle yourself down and, and then you don't, you don't do something that you're going to regret, like you said, because once it's out there, it's out there and yeah. you can't bring it back. Absolutely. What, what have you, uh, perhaps learned, Mike, now that, you know, you, you have, uh, this is the first time in 30 plus years that you haven't had a team that you're coaching yourself. Um, right. what have you maybe, uh, and you never say never, I, I know you're really happy with what you're doing at, at Kemper, but at heart, you're a coach and at heart, you're, you're the guy that wants, you know, you love having that whistle around your neck and, and putting together the practice plans and, and all those type of things. What, what have you had a chance to learn as you've stepped back for the last few months to a year or so? Uh, that maybe if, and, and again, it's it's an if, but if you were to get back into coaching in a, in a formal manner, um, what maybe adjustments would you make to your coaching philosophy now that you've had a chance to step back and also had this new perspective of being in administration? You know, that's a good question because, um, you know, I don't know, you know, one of the things that I really noticed that if I, if I ever did get back into it, um, as you said, right now I... Having, I, I really don't have the desire. I've really enjoyed this year off. Mm-hmm. Um, having the, having the ability to come home and be able to not bring work home yeah. and have have weekends, and so those that's nice. But the one thing that I have picked up on some certain things that um, just really resonated with me quite a bit is communication with players. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that's something that I have really watched from afar. Watch my own coaches here. Um, just watching people coach kids and I have two kids going through high school myself, you know? Um, so watching them being coached. So watching all that stuff, one of the things that really has hit home with me pretty hard is, and I didn't think I did as, I thought I did a good job, but after really observing now, Mm -hmm. you know, I think today's kids nowadays really need to have that communication nonstop. Meaning that, you know, Hey, you're taking this kid out of the starting lineup and you're putting this kid in and you're expecting that kid to be okay with it, you know, and you might just say, Hey, I'm not going to start you tonight. But instead of really kind of sitting down and just walking the kid through a little bit about what your thought process, why, and going through that a little bit and, you know, making sure everybody on that team knows their role, knows why they're in the position they're in and having that conversation and making sure that you hit them on a daily basis. Like, you know, I, I again, I'll come back to Nick Nelson and Todd Berry when they were there at, at Briarcliff. One thing they did is they would always split up their team. And every day, these six would, this coach would take these six and this other coach would take these other six over here and make sure before practice, as they're warming up, you know, stretching or whatever, they're just having a one, two minute conversation of, you know, how things going, how, you know, how are you feeling, you know, whatever, just whatever, really quick, hit, making sure you're communicating with them mm-hmm. um, and, and having that, that open door where the kids feel like I can always talk to them and I can, I'm, I'm free to be able to talk to them. And I think that's to me, I found out is so huge can go a long ways with these kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went with my team this year and obviously um, I, we were just getting to know each other and then you throw COVID in on, on top of it. And, you know, it was just, um, but, but I tried to take, I would literally write down, Hey, such and such person works here. Uh, so I would have that little 
tab of things, you know, so that I, you know, I could relate back to them and, and Hey, how, you know, how, how was work this weekend at blank or, you know, little things like that so that you, they know that you are just not a cog in the, in the coach's machine, but no, I, and, and you truly care about the kids no matter what, but it's that verbalization, that, that affirmation that, Hey, I'm, I'm more invested in you on a lot more than just how well do you rebound, how well do you shoot it, how well do you defend, that type of thing. And, and, I, and I do think that does go a long way. I agree 100%. And I think that, I think more so, Marty, than when, when you and me coached together or, you know, even 10 years ago, I think that communication to the players means so much more with this generation of kids than it did even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I think that they really need that, that, you know, we always talk about um, that pat on the back, and I do think they like that. Obviously, I think this generation needs that more so than the generation before. But I do think more more so than anything, it's more about they want to know. You know, just I think that communication, the ability that they want to know, goes a long ways. And I think it's hard. I know you as a as a high school coach. And you being at Scott teaching and then yet going up there is more difficult because you're not there every day physically with them. And I think I find that a lot with some of our coaches that are outside the system that come in don't seem to have as much of a communication with the kids as much as the kids who are there can hit them every day. But I do think, like you already mentioned that, if you really work hard on the outside before and after practice – on that side of it, I think you still can reach those kids and, mm-hmm. and have that relationship, like you said, because I think kids kids love that and, and they need that. So yeah. that's one thing I really, really have picked up over the course of this year from the coaching side of it that I really sit back and I can really observe and I go, I mean, I've always kind of knew it, but now that I can really, it just really gets confirmed in my, in my world. I see huge, you know, confirmation on that as far as what you really got to get done through to get better coaching done right now yeah well and if you communicate that with them mike then they can come out and yell at the clouds with you you know like the grumpy old man that you are you know come here you see that cumulus cloud i don't like that cloud we're gonna yell at it right here right now let it rip you know type of a thing so absolutely just let them have it so awesome mike awesome i appreciate you coming on here uh, any, anything else that you want to throw in there that maybe I didn't ask you about that you want to throw out there about the, you know, the, the change of perspective that you've had? Well, you know, yeah. One other thing was, was, was thinking as, as far as just, because I know that you reach a lot of high school coaches. I just, you know, one thing that I, after being a high school AD for this year, um, man, you guys got a, a tough job, a great job, but a very rewarding job. I think when you, get it all said and done. I think that you guys at the high school level sometimes can make a bigger impact than a lot of the coaches I've even seen at the college level. Yeah. And I think sometimes you don't understand how big of an impact you really have on these kids because you're caught right in the middle of it. Sometimes you can't see the trees when you're in the middle of the forest, right? Yeah. So I think sometimes you don't understand. But I can tell you from the outside looking in, man, you guys have a tough job but a very rewarding job and you do hit a lot of kids and you make a big impact on their life. So just always remember that. Keep that close to your heart. Yeah. Well, me personally, I've always just done it for the money. Um, (laughs) You know, know, I mean, 
that that 2007 Hyundai Sonata doesn't pay for itself, Mike. You know, I mean, exactly. You know, exactly. You you live in the, you drive in the lap of luxury like that. Um, I mean, I, I got to do what I got to do. I got to hustle the way I do. You know, so. <laughs> Yeah, we definitely don't do it because of the money, that's for sure. I know. No, I, I think you're right. And and I guess one of the cool things for me is when, when I announced that I had taken the teaching position, uh, man, I had a lot of former students reach out to me, and, and that was really cool, you know. Um, and, and it does, you know, it does put you in a, in a situation where um, I, I think the biggest thing that, that coaches want to have for the most part is, is they just want to feel appreciated. Uh, that you're doing everything that you can, that you're trying to do what's best for kids. And as long as that happens, then, then you're, you know, yeah, we want to win. Uh, but there's also that perspective that you need to keep. And, and those that don't have that perspective, yeah, they might win today, but ultimately that's going to catch up to them. I truly believe that. Oh, you're absolutely right, Marty. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, you got so wise over these years, man. You really got wise. <laughs> well, I, uh, I I I read a lot of leather-bound books, and our our basement is smells of rich mahogany, Mike. Um, <laughs> you know, I know Mike Power personally. You know, uh, that's my that's my cheap Ron Burgundy impression there. So. Uh, <laughs> No, um, I don't know. I don't know if that's wise or not. I, I, I think that's just being around the block enough, you know. And I know, and but, you know, some people don't get that perspective until they get further down. Like you said, until you get further down the road and realize, you know, it's not about the wins and losses. It's about what you're doing for those kids. You yeah. know how you impacting them, and and I think when you get to that point, then I think you really become a mature coach. I think. Yeah, and. And I think it takes a while to get there. I, I, I think it do because when you when you get into it at the beginning, especially as a head coach, you think it's all about the wins and losses. But you don't get to the great wins and losses until you do the little things like building the relationships and, and getting your parents and kids behind you and getting your kids to play hard all the time because you watch the championship production videos and you're like, well, if we just do this like Mike Krzyzewski and if we just do this like Gino Ariema then we're going to have this and that. And, you know, you got to do, you got, you got to do all the other stuff before you, but before you win championships, you, you, you have to play like a champion. You have to practice like a champion. You have to have a bond like a champion. Uh, And, and very few teams can overcome, uh, have enough talent to be successful without that other stuff all in place beforehand. And, and, you know, that's what that's what we spent this whole year worrying about. I, you know, it was really, um, yeah, every time every time opening tip came, yeah, I wanted to win, and I wanted to win like crazy. But our whole thing was building championship habits, culture, and a championship vision. And and then everything else, we just tried to have fall into place. And, and you know, as long as we keep that perspective, then the wins and losses will take care of itself, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Very well put. Very well put. Well, you know what? And you don't need me on the, the, the podcast because you you got all the wisdom there, man. Oh, you know what? I, I you know what I said about throwing up a little bit ago. I think now everybody else is throwing up right now after they they, they listen to that. So for every for all of you that are barfing in a barf bag right now, uh, my sincere apologies. So, but I'm gonna I'm gonna end on that because I sound a lot smarter than I really am at that point. So. Uh, <laughs> 
All right. Hey, Mike, great to talk to you. Why don't you hold the line here a second as we wrap up, and uh, we'll get everybody out of here. All right? All right. All right. Well, hey, we want to thank uh, Jody Steyer, the assistant women's basketball coach at Iowa State University. We want to thank Josh Lutke, uh, the the head boys basketball coach at Creighton Prep. We want to thank T. Shaw, the triple threat, Tyler Shaw, the head girls basketball coach at Sydney High School in Sydney, Nebraska. We want to thank Chris Peterson, uh, Omaha area official, giving us his perspective on, on the game. And last but certainly not least, Mike Power, uh, the activities director at Carroll Kemper High School in Carroll, Iowa. Coaches, this has been Quick Hitters Volume 2. I hope you've liked it. Uh, As always, stay safe, let's pray for peace, and let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.